Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church as Pastor Joel preaches from Genesis chapter 15 with a message entitled, The Gospel Covenant. Before we look at our text as normal, I, I kind of want to set the message up uh, with a story or a picture I want you to have in, in your mind. Uh, when we lived in Slovenia, we actually ended up buying an old farmhouse in a city called Šenčur, Slovenia. Uh, there it is, the little, I don't know what color that is, pink uh, house. It was built around the 1900s and then added on to uh, through the years. It still had uh, the, the, the spot where the outhouse stood over. Well, there's a little concrete over it. But uh, they finally got running water and all that stuff into it. It was renovated. Well, most of it was renovated except for the kitchen. Uh, the kitchen had last been renovated in like the 1970s. So if you think of Eastern European block country, 1970s kitchen, that's kind of what we uh, lived in. No, nothing worked really that, that well. So as we bought the house, one of the first things we wanted to do was renovate the kitchen. Seems simple enough. Well, how do you renovate a kitchen in Slovenia? Uh, Well, we were about to find out. Um, We asked around. We had some friends or acquaintances that we knew that knew of this Serbian work crew that came up from Serbia and would work uh, in Slovenia um, to redo renovation kind of things. Uh, and so he said, yeah, I'd be more than happy to set you guys up uh, in a meeting. Uh, So we got a day and a time that we were going to meet, so our, this colleague that we knew, and the Serbian work boss, and then us. And he said, make sure you have uh, coffee and snacks there. So I said, okay, <laughs> we, can do, we can do that. Uh, and sure enough, the day came, and we had uh, coffee and snacks waiting for them. And they sat down, the Serbian work boss and this Slovene colleague that we had, and we started just talking. He asked us about America. He asked us about our our family, what it was, what it was like. We talked to them about uh, Serbia and the kids that they had back there, and how long he worked up there. We talked about politics. We talked about religion. We talked about everything, but we were prepared to talk about. <laughs> we had plans. We had ideas. We wanted to know what it was going to cost us. What kind of timeline this was going to be? You know, the normal work questions. If you're thinking you're going to meet a Serbian work boss, what what the questions you would ask, right? Uh, Well, we got done with the hour. The whole hour goes by, and we've sipped coffee and eaten snacks and talked about his friends and his family and life. Uh, And he gets up from the table and announces, Prao, bom todelo. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) We shake hands, and he leaves. And Amy and I, we're, we're just like... Okay, you'll do what? <laughs> like, we didn't talk. We didn't talk about. We didn't talk about plans. We didn't talk about cost. He didn't know none of that stuff. But there's something I think that Serbian work boss knew that we're going to highlight in our story today, uh, that I think all of us kind of know, but we don't often uh, enter into it with that much thinking. Uh, this Serbian work boss knew that there there was a cost involved in entering any relationship. Uh, he, he was going to spend weeks, maybe months, on our kitchen. He, he was going to be away from his family. He was going to work really, really hard for us. And we were going to give him some money back. But more than that, he was wanting to know 
what kind of people are these? Can I trust them? Are they going to treat me like a servant or a slave? Or are they going to give me some respect? Or are they going to just nitpick everything I do? Or will they be, uh, will this be like a very pleasant experience? So there's a cost involved in entering any relationship. And when he had those questions answered, can I trust these people? Are they going to abuse me? That's when he could stand up from the table and say, okay, I'll do it. Not knowing uh, what we're even asking him to do, but he says, I can trust these people. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to take advantage of me. We can, work through the, we can work through the rest of it. Now, just like we sat at that table, counting the cost, we're going to see in our story today that Abram and God are kind of like sitting at a Slovene table as they're, they're discussing similar things. As we enter this relationship, uh, what's it going to be like? What's it going to cost? And we're going to see that the cost is actually very high. And, and you, might be, you might be thinking, okay, you've got me in here, I'm listening, and you're telling me a relationship with God's going to cost me something. So what's it going to cost? How much money? How much time are you asking for me? And then what God, what's God going to give me in return? How, how is this going to work? How much is it going to cost me? Well, this brings us back to our text. So we're going to see today basically three parts. We're going to see what it's going to cost Abram as he enters this relationship with the Lord. We're going to see what it costs God Himself, And then we'll end with really what it costs you and, and me. What it costs Abram, what it will cost God, and what it will cost you. So let's consider the first one. If you're taking notes, what it's going to cost Abram. Genesis 15 and verse 1. I'm going to read up till verse 6. Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards the heavens, and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. We'll stop right there. Uh, God has spoken to Abraham before in our text, but this is actually the very first time that Abram will speak to God. And the very first thing that he does as he speaks to God is he kind of calls him out. He, he questions him. He said, look, Lord, I thought we started into this relationship, and okay, I've failed, I know that, but you're not doing your part either. You said I would be a great nation, and I don't have any kids. I'm childless. I've got no kids. My wife is barren. He even says it twice. He's like, Lord, are you falling on your part of the bargain here? How am I going to be a great nation if I have no kids? And at that moment, when I'm reading along, I'm expecting the Lord, as if it was the Serbian work boss, I'm expecting the Lord to stand up and go, okay, forget it. You're going to question me. We're done. I'm not going to do this. But that's not how God responds. God responds in this gentle, gracious thing and invites him. Let me show you. Come here. And he takes him outside and he shows him all the stars in the sky. Like if you're up on Mount Hood with no the like light pollution at all, and you're looking at the whole 
stars in the sky. And God's like, see all those stars? Just start counting them. I'll wait. Can you, can you count them? Those, those stars that there was nothing there, right? And, and uh, the Lord, he actually like created them from nothing and then hung them in the sky. What looked completely impossible. There's no way I brought that about, Abram. And if I brought that about in the universe, I can take care of the promises I've made to you. You can, you can trust me, Abram. And then we wait. Well, how's Abram going to respond to that? He, he sees the stars, and then there's this one little line that's so powerful. It says, he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteous. He believed God, and it was counted to him. It was like credited to him. It was, it was given on his behalf to him as righteousness, like that he was righteous. But not a righteousness of his own, like, oh, Abram, you've done really good. Here's the righteousness that you deserve. Now, this is a righteousness that's just given to him because at that point, Abram finally goes, okay, I don't know how this is going to work, but I trust you. And it's at that moment, God goes, I'm counting that belief that you believe I will do what I say I'll do. I'm taking that belief, that simple belief, and crediting it to you as righteousness, as though you're righteous. Though he's never obeyed the law, he doesn't even have the law yet. There's no commandments or mandates. or he, He's not righteous based on anything that he has done. His righteousness is solely based on his belief and letting go and going, Okay, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe you're going to hold true to your word. You're going to do the things that you said you'd do. At that moment, it was pretty scary for Abram. It was a step of, of faith. He couldn't see the future. He's well beyond childbearing years. And, and he's looking up at these stars and he's trusting God. Okay, I don't know, Lord. I don't know how you're going to do this. Uh, I don't know what the future holds for me, but I'm going to let go and I'm just going to believe in you. He could end up looking really silly. He, could, he looks like he's walking down a dead-end street. How in the world is the Lord ever going to turn this into anything good? But Abram stops and believes God and is credited to him as righteous. He sees the stars and says, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll let go of my control and believe in you. Now, as much as it cost Abram, as we turn now to see how much it's going to cost the Lord, it, it, Abram's going to feel, it's going to feel like it costs him nothing. And it actually is like a gift that he just has to receive. What it cost him is to let go and receive a gift. And what it costs God is so much more. Let's look in verse 7. And he said to him, this is the Lord talking, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, Abram, O oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? So he said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And Abram brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each uh, half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcass, Abram drove them away. Let's stop right there again. 
Abram, he brings another question to the Lord. You see, the first couple interactions Abram has with God is really questioning him, which almost gives us a little bit of grace, doesn't it? We don't have to have all the answers, right? God's, God's big enough to, to receive our questions. He's like, how can I be certain, Lord? How, how can I know? How can I, I know you're really going to fulfill your, your promises? How, how is this going to work? He's really asking him, well, are you going to sign this contract? Uh, I've drawn up this contract, Lord. Uh, are you going to sign on the dotted line? Lord, do you have coffee and snacks there ready? Are we ready to make this, this deal? Except uh, in this culture, it's not coffee and snacks or, or a contract or anything. It's this grocery list of animals uh, that we read and go, what is, what's, going, what's going on here? Well, let's skip down to verse 17, and then we'll, we'll kind of uh, we'll fill out what this contract, what this uh, covenant is that they're walking into. Verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed through those pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites and the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Abram, as he brings this other question, how can I be certain of this? How, how can I be sure you'll do what you say you'll do? God says, let me show you. I'll sign on the dotted, I'll sign on the dotted line. God says, bring me, these, bring me these animals. Well, what's going on here? Uh, in this culture, uh, this list of animals, they would have known very well. Uh, because it doesn't even tell us in the story. It, Abram like knows, okay, we're getting ready to go into a covenant. Uh, they would take these animals, uh, and this is, a, this is a bloody scene. They would take these animals, they would cut them in half, and then they would uh, put them opposite of each other to create like this valley below. And can you imagine uh, the mess it would be uh, as they walked through uh, this valley? They would either do, um, and I've read two different things, they'd either go on one side and the other side and they would walk through and meet in the middle and then grab hands and, and covenant to each other. Uh, or they would walk through hand in hand through the whole thing. And basically what they were saying is, as uh, we're covenanting our lives to each other, may I be like these animals if I don't fulfill my covenant? May I be uh, ripped apart and torn apart if I don't fulfill my end of the covenant? It was a signing of the, of the dotted line uh, for them. And so you can imagine this contract and how messy it would be, Right? So I'm not a hunter, I know some of you are, but I was actually able to go up to Alaska once, and uh, while we were there, uh, the friend I was with got a call on his ham radio, said, coffee's on, which I didn't know what it meant, but it actually meant he had just shot a moose. So any of you seen a dead moose up front? Those things are like, they're like, cow, they're like the size of cows. They're huge. I mean, they're bigger than cows. They're huge. So we get there. I've, I'm not a hunter. I don't know. And one of the guys pulls out a switchblade and starts going to town on this thing. So not trying to scream me out or anything. But I'm just like, whoa, this thing is absolutely mammoth. I'm the novice. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm the one that's, that's holding the quarters, uh, a quarter of a moose uh, up so that they can tie them up uh, so they can let the, the blood drip. So I'm holding like... Uh, I don't even know how, 150 pounds of a quarter of meat that's like draining blood so they can tie it. And I'm just like, Hulk, can you, can you tie this any faster? Because this is really hard. And when we got done, can you imagine what I look like? The bloody mess that I was. 
Now I want you to imagine with me as Abram doesn't take like this nice serrated knife. He, he takes this like flint stone and he cuts through these animals. And as he's cutting through these animals, it's getting bloody, but he's actually, it's picturing to himself, am I ready to go into this covenant with the Lord that says, if I don't keep my end of the covenant, may I be like one of these animals? If you've been around, you know the story of Abram. And I can only imagine what he was thinking as he's doing this. How, how, I'm going to die. I, I cannot keep this covenant. I, I, I don't even, I guess it's worth, I don't know. Like, and then he gets to the end and there's this stream of blood down the middle. And as they're about to make this covenant, the next thing we find is that Abram's asleep. He's sleeping. And then these, uh, these like pot of smoke and this pillar of fire uh, kind of pass through this like stream of blood down the middle. We find only, uh, only one person really walks through uh, this, this covenant. That the Smoking fire pot and flaming torch. It's a weird symbols for us. But if you read on in the story, these two, uh, this smoke or this uh, smoking fire pot and this, and this fire, they, they, they show up a lots of other places in the story. We see it at uh, Mount Sinai when God's presence comes down. We see smoke and fire uh, as they're coming into the, uh, in the wilderness and God's leading them along. Do you remember what he's leading them with a, a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night? The smoke and fire really represents God's presence. So as the smoking fire pot and flaming torch go through the middle uh, of these cut animals, really it's God's presence walking through and going through uh, these animals. And it, and it says that God made a covenant with Abram. Uh, in Hebrew, actually, that word m- m- he made, it's not really great translation. It's more he cut. He cut a covenant with, with Abram. The Lord cut a covenant with Abram. So really only one way here. And I think even the two representatives, the, the fire and, uh, and the smoke, as they, as they go through, it's like the Lord, as he's walking through this, says, may what happens to these animals happen to me if I don't fulfill my end of the covenant. Well, for the Lord, that's easy. He's, he's making an oath on himself. He's ne- he'll never not do that. But as he's going through that, he's also saying, and if you don't keep your end of the covenant, may I be like these animals. So as God walks through these torn apart animals, it's basically foreshadowing the price that he's going to have to pay to redeem humanity, to reconcile a world back to himself. And we see that Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness because of the very thing that Jesus did as he walks through and says, What's happened to these animals, let it happen to me. May, may your death be on me if you don't keep your end of the covenant. If you sin, if you rebel, may I take the punishment on my, myself. Well, this brings us to the third and final point. What's it going to cost you to enter this relationship with, with God? Uh, if you notice, we skipped a section. 
Uh, and that section actually is going to take us hundreds of years in the future. Uh, it, it takes us to a place in time where the people would be very first hearing the written story of this. Now, I want to set the stage up for those first hearers as well. Uh, Moses wrote this, uh, and the people that are hearing this for the first time uh, had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Uh, there was 10 plagues. They cried to the Lord, please bring us out. As they're coming out, the Egyptians are like dumping gold and all this good stuff uh, on them. They go to the Red Sea, and they're like, oh, now we're really dead. And, and God says, no, uh, Moses, reach out your staff. And all of a sudden, the Red Sea splits into like two pieces. And they walk through uh, those two pieces. And as they get to the wilderness, they're like, how do we know where we're supposed to go? And, and God says, I have a a smoking pillar of clouds by day, follow that. And a, and a pillar of fire by night, follow that. Those are the first hearers that are hearing this story of Abram and God walking through this, this covenant. The first hearers who would look back and see Abram's life and go, wow, God was, was faithful. Because as they looked around, they would see there's like two million people here. All the family of Abram, that God had multiplied, uh, that they were a nation now, but would they possess, would they possess the land? Uh, let's look at that section of scripture. It begins in verse 12. It almost interrupts this covenant story. Uh, verse 12 says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. And I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And those first hearers in the wilderness, their ears must have been perked up. Well, we, we, we were just sojourners for 400 years. We, we, we have all this... We have all this gold around us. There's lots of, lots of people around us. God's faithful to his word. He did what he said he was going to do. And Abram believed it. And we get to see it now. We're not looking at the stars. We're looking at all the, the people. But now we're facing all these tribes in the promised land. Is the Lord really going to give us this? I mean, this is a scary step. Are we really, all of us slaves, are we really going to go into the promised land? And is God really going to lead us? Is he going to be faithful to keep his word? Well, here's what they needed to hear. Those first Israelites who are hearing this, this story after it was written by Moses. They needed to hear from this story that God knew the obstacles that they were facing. That God was faithful, that he would make a way. When they see these armies in these towns, that there's no way they thought they could win, that God was leading them, and he will do what he says he will do. They needed to know that the covenant that God made with them, that he actually paid the price. 
That they weren't walking in guilt or shame or they had to be good enough. It was God who had done everything. So just walk in that freedom. Obey, obey and believe and just continue walking. They needed to hear that God will not abandon us just like he didn't abandon Abram. All the way over from Ur of the Chaldeans, all the way over to the promised land, into Egypt and back out of Egypt, God was going to be faithful and he would not abandon them even after all those years. They needed to hear, just believe, just simply believe. Believe that God will do what he says he'll do and have the courage to step out in faith. Well, this brings us to the end. What do you need to hear from this story? Because it was written to those Israelites in the wilderness, but it was written for us today. So what do you need to hear from this story? This, this covenant that God foreshadowed that long ago uh, this uh, sitting around the, the table, what's it going to cost you? What's it going to cost me? You need to know that God paid it all. He paid everything. And then you just need to receive it like a, like a free gift with open hands. You need to hear that God paid the price for you. You need to hear that God in your mess has already been there. He's already walked through this stream of blood and brokenness and saying, I took it all on myself. Which means he's not abandoned you either. He will not abandon you. And in fact, even in your doubts, he wants you to bring them to him so that he can gently, graciously show you. Can I just show you? Let me show you what I've done. Let me show you how I've been faithful in the past. Let me just show you. Would you believe in me? And really, we need to hear that we can trust the Lord. We can trust the Lord with our future. We can trust the Lord with our singleness. We can trust the Lord with our spouses. We can trust the Lord with our careers and what God wants you to do with your life. You can trust the Lord. You just need to take the next step. You can trust the Lord to do what he said he will do. Because he has sworn an oath to himself. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, thanks for this uh, beautiful, gripping story. And Lord, when we, we come here, we want to know what we can do, Lord. Well, what, what's, uh, what's my part in it? What, what do I give? Uh, how do we make this uh, contract Complete. How do I know I'm a, a, a Christian or I'm living a good Christian life? And Lord, uh, this story just simply reduces it down to you've paid the price for that. And Lord, I, I pray that if anyone here um, hasn't given up, uh, given up their control, uh, given up their their future to you, Lord, that they they, they would do that. They would be forgiven and set free because of the price that you paid. And Lord, thanks for that beautiful gift that as we have disobeyed and sinned and fallen short of the covenant that you've paid the price through Jesus. And Lord, even this next week as we um, think about and meditate and hear songs and verses and people bringing things up, Lord, that we would remember the covenant that you have made with broken people a long time ago because of your son, Jesus, and that his death would be 
uh, accounted as our death and his life would be counted as our life and that we can walk in freedom and new life in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.